Dr. Crosby concluded Sunday morning services on October 5 with the following question and comment. Do you have an idea to change the world? I hope you do and that you connect it with the gospel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, open our ears and our eyes that we may hear your word and see Jesus. Amen. Changing the world with the gospel echoes the call of Christ. It places us in the column of the great tradition of the church throughout the ages. It is a call to greatness that transcends our time and place. Strategy is no guarantee of success. But without strategy, one is almost certain to fail. The churches of the New Orleans Baptist Association have embraced a cooperative effort to change our community and the world with the gospel. The strategy for changing the world and renewing all the dimensions of life is the kingdom of Christ. The method is preaching the gospel and healing the curse through deeds of compassion. And the means is a singleness of heart and mind. The strategy for changing the world, the kingdom of Christ. Changing the world with the gospel is the work of the kingdom of Christ. Christ the King inaugurated God's kingdom upon the earth. The Apostle Paul wrote, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus came to save sinners, and he reconciled them to God by the power of the cross. Let's not dim the brilliance of this truth. Salvation isn't just for those who miss their morning meditations. It is for all who have been scarred by sin, failures and felons, dealers and traffickers, the used and abused. By the blood of the cross, God is reconciling all things to himself. Lost persons, yes, but also families, relationships, institutions, and nations. We have been reconciled to God because the blood of Christ restored peace between God and us. God created the world to be under his rule and authority. When he created the physical order, he pronounced that it was good. When he created man in his own image, he said that man was very good. God's creation was composed of myriad parts, different yet interconnected and interdependent and comprising a beautiful whole. In a way, it was like a tapestry made up of thousands of individual knots of different colored threads but comprising a beautiful work of art. This is the larger idea behind the peace of God, all things functioning as they were intended in perfect harmony with the will of God. Sin disrupted the rule and peace of God. 
It ripped the universe into decay and death in every dimension. Personal, psychological, physical, social. Mankind has fallen through the tear in God's creation. But hear the good news. Jesus plunged into our condition to redeem us back to God and to renew the universe that sin had ripped apart. Christ restored the kingdom of God back to earth. The kingdom is God's ruling power present to heal all the curse of sin. The Apostle Paul exclaimed, The old has gone, the new has come. We believe that the blood of Jesus makes all things new and better. It makes sinful men new and gives us a better hope, a better life, a better future. We believe that the blood of Jesus makes education better, health care better, government better. We believe that the blood of the cross makes every thought of man and every activity of life better. As followers of Christ, our ethos is the blood of the cross. Not only is God reconciling all things to himself, but also he has committed to us the continuing ministry of reconciliation. Writing about the new life, Paul says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. The kingdom of God has come. Christ the King is on his throne. The kingdom of God is present. It is now. Because the kingdom of God is so proximate to us today, we join the Apostle Paul who said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. With the saints of God throughout the ages, we confess the promise of our Savior in God. Christ is coming again. Hear what John the Revelator heard about Christ's return. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with him and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. The redeemed of the Lord shall be glorified when Christ returns. But there's more. The healing of the kingship of Christ will extend to all of life and all of nature. All the brokenness and ruin caused by sin 
will be healed. Isaac Watts described the blessedness of the kingdom in the Christmas hymn, Joy to the World. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. The kingdom of God is power. God's ruling power present to completely heal all the curse of sin. God created this world and all who live in it. Creation fell under the curse of sin, and we are sinners. As if God were crazy with love, he emptied heaven of its glory, and Christ plunged into our world of fallen men and redeemed us back to God by the power of his blood. This wonderful world, marred as it is by sin, will be made gloriously new when Christ returns. It will be like it was in the beginning, only it will be even better because it too has been renewed by the power of the blood. So, the kingdom of God has come and it is coming. It is now and it is not yet. We live between the inauguration of the kingdom and the consummation of the age. Because the kingdom of God is not fully come, we must expect substantial healing now, not total healing in all areas of life. Total healing will come when Christ returns triumphantly and sin is no more. Living between the now and the not yet, with the consummation of the age approaching, we live in a most exciting time. Not so much an age of change, but a change of age. The stakes are high. But what an opportunity for our faith community, founded on Christ and his word, which have always guided the human quest for lasting joy and happiness. The method for changing the world, preaching the gospel, and healing the curse. You remember John the Baptist, the prophet in the desert who wore a shabby habit made of camel hair and lived on a diet of locusts and wild honey? He had a penchant for calling out hypocrisy, but his passion was for people with whom he pleaded, repent, change your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Later, while languishing in prison, John hears about the mighty works of Christ and sends messengers to ask Jesus, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus sends the messengers back to John with this instruction. Report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. John had it right. The kingdom of God 
was at hand. When he sought confirmation that Jesus was the one who was to inaugurate God's rule on earth, Jesus replied by connecting the preaching of the gospel with deeds reversing the curse. Restoration of sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, ambulation to the lame, cleansing to the leprous, and blessing to the poor. We find our model in Christ. Luke tells us that Jesus was known as being mighty in word and deed. Some caution that our faith community should more narrowly focus on the teaching and preaching ministries of the church and avoid the slippery slopes of compassion ministries. The religious elite of Jesus' day tried to tame him with the same bit and bridle. But Jesus refused to close his heart. Unfailingly, he linked the preaching of the gospel with deeds of compassion towards sinners, poor and needy. All the gospels record Jesus preaching the kingdom and healing the sick. The account in Luke is typical. Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Jesus modeled a ministry of preaching the kingdom and healing the sick. Moreover, every time that he sent out disciples, Jesus commanded them to benefit the needy as they preached the gospel. Luke put it this way, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Later in his gospel, Luke writes, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. After his resurrection, Jesus commissioned his disciples saying, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. According to Luke's account in Acts, Jesus' final instruction to his disciples were that they were to wait for the Father's gift of the Holy Spirit. He told them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Upon, the, upon delivery of this promise, Jesus ascended into heaven before their very eyes. This promise of God was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when the followers of Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. Jerusalem was swollen with Jews from all over the world that had traveled to the holy city for the feast of Pentecost. A throng of foreigners heard the followers of Jesus speaking out in their native tongues and began to question, aren't all these men Galileans? How is it that they're speaking in my language? What does this mean? Are they drunk? Peter stood up and explained to the crowd that they were not witnessing public drunkenness. To the contrary, they were witnessing the fulfillment of a prophecy of God. 
That got the attention of the Jewish pilgrims. Then Peter began to preach. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus, and we are witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. God pours out the Holy Spirit on the huddled followers of Jesus. And these rough-hewn Galileans become the empowered body of Christ. The first act of the church is the public proclamation of Jesus. Jesus, accredited by miracles, signs, and wonders, as he lived among men. Jesus, nailed to the cross. Jesus, buried in the agony of death. Jesus, raised from the dead. Jesus, ascended into heaven. Jesus, exalted to the right hand of God. Jesus, who alone can forgive sins. Jesus, who gives new, eternal life and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here, dear friends, how Peter concludes this Spirit-inspired message. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Has a broken heart caused you to go far from God? This promise is for you. Do you imagine that God's love is based upon your performance and deep down you realize that you will never be good enough? This promise is for you. Has an obsession carried you into the darkness of private sin and away from freedom in Christ? This promise is for you. Have you failed as a parent like me? or as a spouse, as a sibling or provider? And has the pain of your failure caused you 
to recoil from God? This promise is for you. Has religion turned you off and caused you to wander far from the heart of God? This promise is for you. Are you seeking fulfillment in a person or thing other than the living God and discovering an emptiness in your soul? This promise is for you. If you are far from God, then repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the eternal life of God. We confess the truth of the gospel, the misery of the sinner, and the mercy of God. Friends, we are far worse and our condition is far more desperate than we have ever thought. And the love of God for us is far greater than we have ever dared to dream. As our pastor reminded us last week, the heart of the gospel is that God loves you. God not only loves you, God likes you. One late Christian writer described God's love for you as a furious longing. It's true. The eternal God of the universe desires intimacy with you. In fact, the powerful metaphor of Christ as the bridegroom suggests that God desires something more than intimacy. He desires union with you. This is the gospel. God loves sinners. And Christ died for sinners like you and like me. The final story, the first story after the day of Pentecost involves Peter and John doing the other half of what Jesus modeled and instructed. They healed a man who had been crippled since birth. In George Gershwin's opera, Porgy and Bess, Porgy is a disabled beggar. In a melancholy solo, he sings, when God made cripple, he made him to be lonely. Alienation is a part of the curse too. Peter and John were on their way to afternoon prayers at the temple when the crippled beggar asked them for money. Peter told the man that we have no money, but we do have something we can give. Peter then said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Instantly, Scripture says, he was healed. As one might expect of a 40-year-old man who had never walked before, he began to jump and prance and praise God, all the while clinging to Peter and John. This commotion in the temple attracted a large crowd who recognized the man as the crippled beggar. With the deafness of his teacher, Peter deflected the attention from himself to Jesus. He preached Jesus wrongly convicted, cruelly crucified, and gloriously resurrected. Knowing that the people were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened, Peter turned their attention to an even more amazing truth. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. 
It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him. As you all can see, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who he has appointed for you, even Jesus. Luke records that many who heard believed and the number of believers grew to 5,000. The world was beginning to change. Thus we see that Jesus modeled a ministry of preaching and healing, that he sent out his disciples to preach the kingdom and to benefit those in need, and that the apostles faithfully followed this pattern. Consider for just a moment our faith community. The churches of the New Orleans Baptist Association seek to expand the kingdom of Christ by proclaiming the gospel and ministering to needs in our community. In fact, NOBA has narrowed its focus to just this strategy. On the one hand, our Baptist community is committed to the health and vitality of its sister churches. And on the other, to starting new churches. We have started new churches in Chalmette, New Orleans East, the Lower and Upper Ninth Ward, Gentilly, Lake Oaks, Lakeview, Mid-City, the CBD, Coliseum Square, Uptown, Broadmoor, Hollygrove, Metairie, Kenner, Algiers, Gretna, and West Wego. Many of our churches are reaching into populations and communities where there had been little or no evangelical witness, and all are proclaiming the gospel with boldness and power. God is bringing many sons and daughters to glory through the faithful proclamation of the gospel by our Baptist churches. Jesus' deeds of healing and feeding were miraculous signs of the kingdom, but they were motivated by a desire to alleviate basic human need. We must follow our Lord. The church today cannot routinely perform miracles, but we are able to demonstrate the renewing power of the kingdom of God by meeting needs in the community with great compassion and with great competence in the name of Jesus. Earlier this year, our Baptist community launched Baptist Community Health Services in the Lower Ninth Ward. Before we opened this full-service primary care health clinic, there was no hospital, clinic, doctor, or pharmacy in the Lower Ninth. There wasn't even a fire station or a police station or a grocery store, but people live there. In fact, 24,000 people live in our service area, of which 64% are low income, and 73% of that population have no health insurance. 42% of Orleans Parish children live in poverty and 61% live in single-parent households. Nearly one-third of the residents of the Lower Ninth Ward have no means of transportation. The unemployment rate in that community is more than double the national average. The prime impediments to health care 
are lack of proximity to services, lack of transportation, low income, unemployment, and the absence of health insurance. All these pertain to the Lower Ninth Ward. The data consistently demonstrates that the urban poor have a higher chronic disease burden, specifically as it relates to heart disease, hypertension, HIV, AIDS, diabetes, asthma, and obesity. In New Orleans, poverty is a major determinant of health for residents. In plain talk, the poor get sick more often. Their condition worsens more often, and they die earlier than people with resources. According to the 2013 New Orleans Community Health Improvement Report, there is a 25-year gap in life expectancy between residents of one of the city's poorest neighborhoods compared to the most affluent neighborhood. Following the example of Christ, our Baptist community crossed over the Industrial Canal Bridge to provide our neighbors in the Lower Nine with full service, primary care, and behavioral health services delivered with great competence and great compassion in the name of Christ. Meeting the needs, meeting needs through Baptist Community Health Services, Baptist Friendship House, Crossroads NOLA, Fuel the Future, and many other ministries of mercy requires the skills, talents, and resources of the entire body of Christ. Healing the curse is the work of the kingdom, and it is our common calling in Christ. The means for changing the world. Singleness of heart and mind. The key to the early church's success in changing the world with the gospel is found in what Luke records at the end of Acts chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom. And unless we give our hearts to Jesus as king, we haven't given them at all. Proclaiming the gospel to the ends of the earth and healing the curse involve cost. And our willingness to pay the price is a critical sign of our submission to the lordship of Christ. God requires the love that cannot be required. Mercy is commanded, but it must never be the response to a command. It is an overflowing generosity that comes from an experience of the grace of God. The priest and the Levite pass by their countrymen, but the Samaritan stops. Why? He goes to the man in the ditch because he was moved by compassion. Anyone who has seen himself as the man in the ditch, as spiritually poor, will then live a life of generosity toward the needy. All the believers were one in heart and mind. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he exhorts us to have the same mind that Jesus had, who left his privileges and comforts and deeply involved himself in our human condition. God became a man, 
leaving the glory of heaven to live in this trembling tent so that he could show us the heart of God through deeds of love and mercy. And we are called to imitate Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. The unity of the early believers' hearts and mind was tangible. The evidence of, the evidence of it so impressed Luke that he wrote it down. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought them to the apostles and laid them at their feet. And it was distributed, <laughs> and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. History bears witness to the generosity of the early Christians. Julian became emperor of Rome in A.D. 361. He wanted to revive paganism, but to his great disgust, he realized that Christianity had eclipsed the old religions in popularity. The emperor wrote to a pagan priest explaining why Christianity had been so well received by the people. Quote, it is disgraceful that while these impious Galileans support their own poor and ours as well, all men see that our people lack aid from us. When believers set their minds and hearts on the kingdom of Christ, the poor and the oppressed take notice. Nations and governments take notice. And kings, emperors, and presidents take notice. Do you have an idea to change the world? Let's do it together in one heart and mind with the kingdom of Christ as our strategy and the proclamation of the gospel and deeds of mercy as our method. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your great love. We intercede on behalf of every man, woman, and child who is far from your heart and ask that for them today would be the day of salvation, that they would repent and turn to you, dear God, so that their sins may be wiped out, that they may receive times of refreshing, and that you may give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. For ourselves, we confess our bent towards self-interest, and that at times we have distanced ourselves from the poor and needy.
Give us, we pray, one heart and mind for your kingdom and change the world through the proclamation of the gospel and deeds of mercy. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who has reconciled us to you by the blood of the cross. Amen.